Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! We are officially into the dead period. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Tuesday, May, the first edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we continue the 360 series, focusing on fourth round pick out of Arizona State, running back Kalen Balage. We'll discuss his fit on the roster, how he will contribute as a rookie, and talk to a former coach of his at Arizona State. And lastly, we'll touch real briefly on the Dolphins neglecting the quarterback position altogether this weekend. But first, before any of that, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com as well as the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And we are going to bring our guest on here real quick. But first, before I do that, I just wanted to take a minute to express my complete gratitude to the loyal and growing fan base of Locked On Dolphins. I talked about Locked On Dolphins at the top of the show. We have tons of good pieces up there all the time. You guys click on that. You read it. You listen to the podcast. I started this project back in August of last summer, and the public's reception of it has just been flat out humbling to me. I said from the start that I was essentially a walking resource for the Miami Dolphins and Miami Dolphins information, and whether it's on my own personal personal work and the film, the GIFs, all the stuff that I do that you guys know about that creates that opinion, or if it's sharing work from someone else that did the work, I I love doing that as well. So all I want to do is give you guys the best, most comprehensive coverage on the Miami Dolphins. And I think the following reflects just how much everyone craves exactly that. From winning the best follow on Dolphins Twitter to rapidly growing my following on Twitter, the last two months have been an utter blast and so damn surreal to me. Just in the last two months alone, LockedOnDolphins.com has received over 70,000 podcast downloads. The blog site has had 70,000 unique visitors for the .com. My Twitter engagement is greater than 4 million engagements on the tweets alone. The following has increased by 1,500 Twitter followers. The fact that my passion and the only thing I really want to do in my life has garnered so much interest... I can't tell you how happy that makes me as a both Dolphins fan and as a podcaster and writer and everything Miami Dolphins. So I want to continue to not only be the best, but the first person to give you guys Dolphins news. We were the first ones on the free agent film breakdowns with Albert Wilson, Josh Sitton, Dan Kilgore, the Robert Quinn trade, and the like. We were literally the first publication to have the Dolphins complete 16-game schedule two hours before any network, any other fan site released it. On draft day, we hit six out of the eight positions correctly, and at least half of you guys haven't even seen the in-season coverage that we provide at LockedOnDolphins.com as well as the podcast. So I can't wait for all of that to happen, and I cannot wait to talk to my guest today on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And let's go ahead and get right into that interview. That's another Miami Dolphins And I'm joined now by the offensive coordinator at Howard University. He directed the Bison offense to 30 points per game in 2017. He was a former Miami Dolphin back in 2009. And the primary reason we're having him on today is that he was a quality coach at the Arizona State University program during Kalen Balazs' time on campus. He is Brennan Marion. Brennan, thanks for joining the show today, man. Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me on. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, your cousin reached out to me and said you might be able to do the podcast, and I, I, I'd like to take advantage of this because one of the things I like to do on the podcast is talk about these kids' background and kind of get to know them a little better just than what we see. You know, everything's about scouting and what they do on the field. So the fact that we can get some background into this guy is always a great uh, nugget of knowledge for the listeners. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Kalen's a great kid. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I'm looking forward to, to getting to know a little better here. But, uh, Brandon, there are so many things I could talk about with you today personally, uh, be it your time with the Dolphins during the Bill Parcells era, your squad's monumental win over UNLV last year, something like 40-point underdogs, wasn't it? Yeah, we were we were we had like a 1% chance to win, and we went down there and and got the victory, so it was it was definitely a great win for the program. Yeah, that was cool to see. I remember seeing the highlights. I'm I'm a big uh, a sports gambler, so <laughs> those those big point spreads are always fun for me. So cool to see that. But uh, we're focusing now on the new crop of players just drafted by the Dolphins. And when Kalen Balaj's name got called, I jumped out of my chair. I'm a huge fan of his. And can you just start by kind of describing your relationship with Kalen? Like, how did you guys first meet, and what was your first impression of him? Um, well, I got a chance to work with the running backs when I was at Arizona State and, uh, you know, got a chance to just, you know, mentor and, you know, be a big brother to him. I'm still, you know, not too far off from the guy's age, but far enough away to, you know, like be an inspiration and, and work with those guys. So um, just getting a chance. I was a young coach, you know, just just working with Kalen. It was my first year at the Division One level. I was a high school coach before, and I just kept a, you know, real good relationship with him as far as just it was more – not so much about football. We just talked about life and, you know, personal goals and, and family and stuff like that. So, um, Kalen is definitely a guy who loves the game um, and always just, you know, just has that, you know, whatever it is, he has it. You know what I'm saying? And, and the guy is uh, dedicated to being a great football player, but also a great person. Well, let's, let's speak more to that character and love of the game for him because that's a, that's a big sticking point for me. And it's been a big sticking point for the, the entire Dolphins regime this offseason. The entire thing has been about culture change, getting guys in that love the game of football. And I listened to Kalen on the Move the Sticks podcast last summer, and he was so damn impressive in that interview that I had to get to know more about the guy. So what can you tell me about his work ethic and that mindset that he brings to the field every single day? Well, I mean, he used to. We used to go to the field early before everybody else got there, and you see him throwing around, playing catch. He acts like he he plays the game with a smile on his face, like he loves the game. He loves the work of the game, you know, not just like, you know, a lot of these guys love the hype of the game and all the you know press clippings that they get. He actually just loves to play football and just loves to be a part of the game. So, you know, it was a blessing for me being in a, a room where it's my first year coaching, and I got guys who you know, love the game like Kalen, where he would be out there early throwing, catching, playing around, having fun, smile on his face, always had good energy about himself because he just really loved to play the game of football. And, you know, then in the film room, I mean, he knew exactly everything that was going on. And he was only a, a sophomore, I believe, a true sophomore at the time. So he had all that going on as a, as a young guy in college. So, uh, you, you know, that was a beautiful thing. And then we've stayed in contact since. You know, I've left and moved on. Um, we stayed in contact. He asked me last year if he should come out for the draft. I told him, you know, he has to do what's best for his family. He decided to stay another year. Um, so we we talk on a you know every couple weeks, week basis. So, um, you know, just a great just a great human being. I mean, you'll, you'll see him helping his nieces and and family members and helping guys on the team. He was never big time. Um, he always helped the young guys. 
you know, so it was it was really good to see that somebody was a purist about the game that loved, loved football. That was actually one thing that he talked about on the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks was the fact that he said that his family, it's all about finishing what you started, and he wanted to go back and get that degree. So awesome to hear that a young man has such a good head on his shoulders. But let's talk more about his football ability now. And, you know, Adam Gase, he prefers a stable of backs that can keep the entire playbook open as they rotate throughout the game. And Balazs' versatility is the first thing that I see when I watch him. And whether it's the trigger man in the Wildcat, sneaking out into the flat for a pass pattern, or hitting the big run from, you know, a traditional formation, he seems like he can do it all. So how would you describe his versatility and kind of his skill sets at different various points of the game? I think I think it's beautiful when, uh, you know, Coach Gates gets op- gets the opportunity to use him because he's so dynamic and multiple where you can line him up at. And anytime he gets the ball in his hands because of the speed that he possesses, um, he can score at any time from any spot on the field. Um, so just getting him lined up in the, in the proper places. And also I think, uh, you know, just him being a running back, just him getting the quality reps and seeing the reps and seeing the plays. I mean, the, the kid can do anything. He's a, he's an athletic freak, you know, obviously at the combine, he did really well. He's very strong. He's very fast, very physical, um, you know, has good eyes, has great hands. So like you said, he isn't every down back and he's able to do some things, you know, in space, you know, one-on-one where if he gets a one-on-one matchup with a guy, he should win. Yeah, one of the things you talked about was, or the things that I've seen scouts talk about is the fact that, you know, these guys get into the press clippings and they read certain things. One of the things that I read is that he lacks vision from the running back position. Now, what would you say to that criticism? And what would you say is his best trait compared to his worst trait as a runner? That he can, that's something that he can get better at. Well, it's a lot different. Um, you know, the, the NFL running game and, and the college running game, when you're standing right beside the quarterback, and, you, and the quarterback's in gun and he gets the ball and boom, you have to hurry up and make a quick, swift decision where being backed up at seven yards um, and getting a little more opportunity to see it. So I really think that he'll be a good zone runner, downhill runner at the next level, um, being backed up a little bit and being able to use his vision and speed because he is a one cut back, right? you know, make the one cut and then get upfield. So um, I think with the proper scheme and, and development, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be okay. And that's something the Dolphins have done a lot in the last few years, whether it was Lamar Miller, Jay Ajayi, and now Kenyon Drake, who, in my opinion, is a pretty similar runner to what Kalen Balazs is. So that's, that figures to be a really good one-two punch for the Dolphins, hopefully for a long time coming. All right, Brendan, one last note here from you. You were with the Dolphins in camp back in 2009. Have you got any stories from your own with the Dolphins that you think the listeners would find interesting? Uh, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a great opportunity, great place to be. Um, and one of the things that, you know, just getting a chance to sit down and actually had a day to talk with Bill Parcells. And, you know, obviously I always want to go into coaching and I love football and, uh, you know, went straight into coaching right after I got, you know, injured playing. Um, just getting the chance to sit down with Coach Parcells and talk football for like an hour and a half, two hours, you know, John Gamble, you know, some of the, the guys who've been in football for a long, long time. And really get an opportunity to, to just sit down and talk football with them and just learn the, the about the legends of the game, the legacy of the game. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, I always tell people I'm like a football nerd. So that was, you know, that was one of the cool things for me. And then, you know, still getting a chance. I ran into Joey Porter and see some guys. And, you know, even though I didn't, my career didn't go as the way I planned it to be, you know, with multiple ACL surgeries, I um, still have the respect of the guys that I did enough when I was there that, 
you know, guys see me and they're like, oh, man, he, you know, he was with the Dolphins. And, you know, if he didn't hurt his knee, he'd have been, you know, really good. And running in, you know, John Ireland a couple of years ago, uh, you know, just, just seeing guys and they still have respect for me, even though I didn't, you know, uh, complete my goals as far as, you know, being in the Pro Bowl, Super Bowls, you know, all that type of stuff. So um, that's one of the big things that I took from, you know, being with the organization. I really can't fathom working as hard as you have to do to get to that level and then have injuries take it away from you. Yeah, I, I mean, I went my whole life no injuries, and then I turned yeah. 21 and just start body just start breaking down. But that's why you have to cherish the game and, and love every moment that you get a chance to play. Well, it's really cool to talk to you, man. It's cool to hear that, you know, the Dolphins listeners here will love to hear that you kind of have Kalen Balaj under your wing. So, again, he is the offensive coordinator at Howard University, Brennan Marion. You can find him on Twitter, at Brennan Marion 4. He took time off the recruiting trail to go ahead and do this for us. So we really, really appreciate that, man. And best luck to you guys this upcoming season. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Once again, Brennan Marion, former Miami Dolphin, current offensive coordinator at Howard University. I am loving talking to these guys that have connections to these new players. We're going to have to find a way to get something similar like that from Mike Gusecki on tomorrow's podcast. But this is the Kalen Balaj podcast on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. We have much more to come, including a complete comprehensive scouting report on Kalen Balaj. It's going to be tough to follow up that interview with Coach Marion there, but we'll try to do our best here talking about Kalen Balazs, the Dolphins' fourth-round draft pick, number 131 overall. And like I mentioned on the podcast yesterday, the Sunday night podcast slash Monday morning podcast, I jumped out of my chair when I heard his name called. I, I tweeted about it that morning trying to kind of get my names list in order, and I forgot him on the list, and then I retweeted and said, is Kalen Balazs still available? Because if so, it goes to the top of the list. Dolphins pass him over at 123 for Durham Smythe, and then they come back with Kalen Balazs, and I just couldn't contain my excitement. This running back has so much upside, so much potential, and in a draft class where the Dolphins really addressed needs and guys that can get on the field immediately and guys with low floors, I was excited to see them take a you know, kind of a swing at a running back like this in a very deep running back class. And you can look at his production back at Arizona State. He's a 4.3 yards per carry kind of guy. People want to see him push the pile a little bit more for a 228-pound back. And you go and you watch kind of some of the stuff they do at Arizona State. The offensive line, it wasn't a good situation. He was in wildcat a lot of the time. His quarterback play there was not, it didn't really live up to, you know, Pac-12, Division One type of standards. Just had a rough time getting anything going on offense. He was really the bell cow and the guy that carried that entire offense as evidenced by his eight touchdown game back in 2016 against Texas Tech. You heard that right eight touchdowns in one football game. And Coach Marion talked about his versatility, and he showed that as Arizona State, both as a zone runner, obviously the same scheme the Dolphins run here with Kenyon Drake, that one-cut style, get upfield, get going, and turn that speed loose. And he has that top-end speed to burn, where once he gets in the secondary, into the second level, he's gone. He's going to be gone and off to the races for a touchdown. So the fact that the Dolphins have two backs, the top two backs in the roster, hopefully, depending on whether or not Balaj can beat out Frank Gore from day one, have the home run hitting ability. So any play during the course of the game, you can have a long run for a touchdown. We saw how big of an impact that can have on your offense when Kenyon Drake got into the lineup last year and Balaj is the same way. Now as a pass receiver, we saw Drake flex out wide, go up top over the New England Patriots defense, catch a big pass there, and then also hit a choice route over the middle, a little angle route coming back across the linebacker's face and have a big game that way too. So I think you find the same success with Kalen Balaj doing the same things that Kenyon Drake can do. So you really don't sacrifice 
anything in terms of versatility, in terms of pass protection, pass catching, and keeping the entire playbook open when Balazs comes onto the field. So that's a huge boon to have for an offense. We talked about with Mika Fitzpatrick how the defense can disguise coverages and confuse the opposing offensive coordinator by having the same personnel being able to run various amounts of packages. The same thing works for the offense. They're not going to see him come in on third and short, and it has to be a running play at the middle. He can flex out and go deep. And one thing we saw with Coach Gaze throughout the course of the two years he's been with the Miami Dolphins is that he likes to attack deep on third down and having a running back that can flex out and take a a linebacker upfield is a big key element to that. And we've seen it with Damian Williams in the past and it's a good mention to talk about Damian Williams because I think that Kalen Balaj comes in and immediately is inserted into that Damian Williams role. He might not get as many looks early on as Williams had last year when he was kind of Jay Ajayi's backup and then the primary starter once Ajayi was traded. But you can see the similar skill set in terms of the ability to absolutely destroy guys in one-on-one coverage matchups, the ability to convert short yardage, the ability to catch the ball on the flat. There is a gif, and I'll have it up on the piece on LockedOnDolphins.com right now, talking about Kalen Balaj, where I pulled a bunch of quotes from scouts, quotes from coaches that he's had in the past. I pulled up some production numbers, some gifs, everything you want to know about the guy is on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. And one of the gifs I have up there is him catching a simple flat route where you basically get up to the line of scrimmage as the running back. Coming from the backfield, you angle your route to the right and your back is to the entire formation and you have to pull your neck around to find the football and find the quarterback. And this quarterback at Arizona State is everywhere (laughs) most of the time that Balaj gets a target and this ball goes up over his head. He has to contort himself backwards, twist and get upfield and he does it effortlessly. It's just incredible to watch the balance and the athleticism that he offers. And talking about his role in this offense, Damian Williams was a huge asset on third down, both for his pass protection ability, as well as his ability to catch passes out of the backfield and convert third down. So he's just another matchup piece in the Adam Gase cog on this offense. I don't know how you're going to match up with this offense, frankly. I keep getting a bunch of, you know, I I tweeted out, I talk about the ability with Mike Gusecki to to run wide receiver routes to Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj being interchangeable pieces, both in the pass and run game. The fact that you have three sub four wide receivers, sub four, four wide receivers, I should say, that can supplement the screen game, that can go over the top, that can run short patterns against zone coverage. There are just so many pieces on this offense at Ryan Tannehill's disposal And we've seen him resurrect offenses that were completely dead with a bunch of nobodies back in 2012 and get production out of them at times, both Brian Hartline, Devon Best going forward. No one's Charles Clay hasn't had the same success since he left Ryan Tannehill. The list goes on and on. He finally has these matchup pieces that can really exploit what they want to do on offense. And you have a complete whiz calling the plays and running the scheme and someone that believes greatly in ingenuity and I just think that it's going to be a great mix. Kalen Balaj falls right into that mix there and they actually discovered Kalen Balaj, one of the coaches on the Dolphin staff, Eric Stettisville, the running backs coach that came from Denver. He has a very, very high reputation around the league. He is now the running game coordinator for the Miami Dolphins and Balaj is from Colorado, and that's where Stettisville was working under Gaze at the time. He discovered Kalen Balaj in high school and kept tabs on him ever since then. So this was totally a pick for the running backs coach, the running game coordinator. So you're going to find all kinds of ways to get him involved in the game plan and certainly make some big plays for you. I want to finish up this point on the other side of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, and we'll talk about the quarterback group that didn't get addressed at all throughout the course of the weekend. So we'll do that. We'll finish up Balage on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. 
We talked at length about Kalen Balazs' career at Arizona State, what he offers at the NFL on the next level. But one of the areas that really made him stand out was his efforts in the Senior Bowl and just how fast he looked on that field against a bunch of his peers, obviously college all-stars, guys going on to the next level, a couple of first-rounders in that class as well. And he just looked faster than everybody. He looked quicker than everybody. He had a quicker twitch, a quicker one cut, more lateral agility than anybody I saw on the field throughout the course of a lot of those team portions of practice. And just the fluid way he moved, there's just guys where you can see it. And he was one of those guys. And you go into a game ready to scout it. You usually have guys that you know because there are scouts out there that have told you these certain guys are guys to keep an eye on. And you base your evaluations based on looking at those particular jersey numbers. But Kalen Balaj, one of the skill sets of a scout is to be able to go out there and watch a game and point out the guys that can project to the next level. And that's a very, very tough trait to inherit and something you have to really just watch a lot of football to 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 possess. I mean, I'm not even completely to that point yet, even close. I mean, if I was, I'd probably be doing this for a living. But for me, when I watched Balage in that senior bowl practice and throughout the course of the week and in the game, I just saw a guy that can, he can do it all. And he's definitely just stood out among his peers in that game. And so talking about what he might be in 2018 as a rookie, I think he is definitely a future you know, bell cow type of back down the line. If we don't get Kenyon Drake extended after his fourth season with the Dolphins, I I hope that's not the case. I hope he does come back and this is a one-two punch for a while, but he basically offers you the next step to the next guy. And the Dolphins have found success in the mid rounds at the running back position. Lamar Miller in the fourth round, Jay Ajayi in the fifth round, Kenyon Drake in the third round, and now Kalen Balaj back in the fourth round again. So you consider what the Dolphins running back depth chart looks like right now. You have Kenyon Drake, and then there's a log jam at two and three with Kalen Balaj and Frank Gore. Frank Gore is going to be a fantastic mentor to both of these young guys. He came in for a basically veteran minimum salary to come back and have a swan song in Miami. And they view him as a player too. Don't get that wrong. He can play football. So he's going to do both of those things, convert short yardage, be a fantastic mentor to these kids. And then beyond that, you have Sonoris Perry, Brandon Radcliffe, and then Gregory Buddy Howe, the undrafted free agent was signed there. So Of those six running backs, you figure four make the team. I think Sonoris Perry will be the fourth running back and the special teams guy, specifically his role there. Kenyon Drake, the number one clear-cut starter, led the NFL in rushing to the last five weeks of the season in 2017. And then that Kalen Blage, Frank Gore glut there, you're going to have to break that up. I think originally Frank Gore will probably start higher on the depth chart just because that's kind of how the league goes. They want to put the veterans out first and make the rookies earn it. But I would be very surprised if at the latest by the end of September if Balaj hasn't taken the number two role. So I figure he's going to be getting somewhere between 30 to 40% of the offensive snaps in his rookie year. And then that number should probably only just increase from there and become more in his second year. We'll see what happens. There's a lot to unpack in terms of what his snap count role could be and his contributions to this team in 2017 could be, excuse me, 2018 could be, but we'll get to more of that throughout the course of the summer. We have all summer to talk about this kind of stuff. And the last note I wanted to talk about on this podcast, on this Kalen Balaj 360 podcast, hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Coach Marion. But the other big topic from draft weekend was the fact that the Dolphins did not come away with a single quarterback draft or free agent or otherwise. They have left the position completely bare beyond Ryan Tannehill. And whether or not you want to believe Mike Tannenbaum's comment about the fact that Brock Osweiler and Nick Nick Foles, I almost said Nick Foles, David Fales have their best football ahead of them. 
I don't buy it. I mean, Brock Osweiler, I think probably already played his best football that year in Denver when he had Adam Gase. And that might be where you get some of the enthusiasm for him going forward. But I just see a player that he's not capable of doing it. As a backup, I think you can probably do a little bit worse, maybe not much worse. And then David fails in that week 17 game. I didn't see it either there. I thought that he was kind of slow and laboring in and out of his release and wind up and his drop back. Everything just looked a beat slow. He made good decisions and he was able to improvise a little bit. But outside of that, I just didn't really see an NFL quarterback there. Dolphins offense couldn't really move the ball until late in that game when the Bills had a big lead. So I'm not buying that. They didn't add a quarterback. They obviously doubled down on their commitment to Ryan Tannehill, which is great news for me. That's what I thought they should have done all offseason. They built up the roster in the areas I thought they should have built up, and he has the best roster he has had since he's been a Miami Dolphin, far and away, in my opinion, despite what the national media will tell you. So they don't draft a quarterback. They find more value in the... Because you're going to have to give up basically Mike Gusecki or Jerome Baker or maybe even more than that to make a quarterback happen because the Dolphins didn't get a crack at the first five quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson was there at 11, but you take him there. You sacrifice Minka Fitzpatrick, who is, in my opinion, almost assured of going to Pro Bowls in his career. I wouldn't do that. Lamar Jackson's a huge project. I love the player, but not at number 11. So then you go to 42 where Mason Rudolph is the next best guy. Luke Falk, Kyle Laletta. But Luke Falk falls to the end of the sixth round. Kyle Laletta falls to the fourth round. So Mason Rudolph falls to the third. So which of these guys are you willing to take a shot on? And basically... You could be throwing away a pick because if Ryan Tannehill plays like I think he will, like the coaching staff thinks he will, then this pick is basically a waste. So you, this was not the year to take a quarterback high. I can understand why you might do it in the mid rounds, but the value they had at those picks didn't make any sense to me. So getting the better players, making this roster good around Ryan Tannehill made a lot more sense. And if Ryan Tannehill, the only way, in my opinion, that doesn't work out this year for him is if he gets hurt. And if he gets hurt, you probably have a chance to address the quarterback position pretty high in the draft next year. Because with Ryan Tannehill, this is a double-digit win team, in my opinion, without, you know, four or five wins, probably at best, just given the fact that Brock Osweiler and David Fales are there. So you what you might lose is, is, you know, some faith in the coaching staff. People are going to come after Adam Gaze if he goes down and their best backup plan is Brock Osweiler. Hopefully that's not a bridge we have to cross, but you can see where the sense came from there. The fact that they didn't get an undrafted guy is kind of weird. I thought maybe Riley Ferguson might be a good bet for an undrafted free agent, but he hasn't quite made up his mind where he's going despite numerous reports about Philly and Tampa Bay and other places but they didn't get a quarterback. Makes me think they probably will be looking on the market by the time training camp rolls around for guys that are cut. Maybe if the Jets get rid of Teddy Bridgewater, that could be a landing spot for him coming here. There's tons of options. There's still three months left. Remember when you guys, not you guys all specifically, but some of you and a lot of people on Twitter were mad at the Dolphins for the offseason they had had so far throughout the course of free agency. Well, now the draft comes around and people are warming up to this roster because they finally completed it and it looks pretty good on paper now. So, be patient. We'll see what happens. The quarterback is all about Ryan Tannehill this year. Hopefully we don't have to see a backup, but if we do, things could get pretty grim. And that will do it for today's podcast. Really, really enjoyed that podcast, especially the interview with Coach Marion, Brendan Marion, former Miami Dolphin and current offensive coordinator for Howard University, Go Bison. Best of luck to him and that team this year. 
Tomorrow's podcast is going to be all about Mike Gusecki, his 360 on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And why did he block me on Twitter? Mike, please unblock me. But for now, that's going to do it for the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Winkle NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out the number one rated blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. There is a piece up right now, part two of Adam Gaze and the Miami Dolphins' vision for this season. You guys have a terrific rest of your night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow with another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.